But I wanted to say just how grateful I am to Jesus for being here and just being a part of your lives. This is what I know. The Lord promised that if I would decree a matter, he would establish it. And those words that, that he has had me and us to speak to you, I decree those, those things. That's what God, the Holy Spirit said, he wants for you. He wants it to be expressed in you. And so let us believe every word of God and those things will happen in our lives. They will happen. So let's give Jesus a big hand. And that's for Jesus. So I just thank you so much for accepting us. We love you so much, so dearly. And we love you in Jesus' name. So thank you so much again. Let, let us be seated. And what we will do is not wear you out. Uh, in August of this year, I woke up on a Saturday morning. And the Lord said to me, spoke to me and said, you're on holy ground. And I knew what he meant. He didn't mean the hallway of my house. But that we have come to the kingdom and God, we, and God has ushered in, uh, these things through us. He's ushered them in through us, through all of us. And the, the church has come to a different place. And we must recognize that place to which we have come and then walk in it, uh, as it were, correspondingly. We must walk in this new place where we are. Sometimes new places feel like old places because we have not really laid hold of the new. So I believe that our being here is to say to brothers and sisters, because we're on the journey together. And so we must hold on together and walk it out together because we are one body. Doesn't matter where we live, we're still one body. That's a mystery. That is a mystery. So I want, I've tried to establish the fact that Christ is supreme in everything. He is preeminent. He has the highest rank. He has the highest priority. So it is through him and from him and by him that all these things exist, that the kingdom itself exists, that heaven itself exists. Because before he made things, uh, he and God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit were just enjoying themselves throughout eternity. We don't know how far back eternity is, but it's a long way. If you were to say one trillion million billion, whatever years, it wouldn't be enough to describe eternity because eternity really is very difficult to describe using human words. You have to have the Spirit of God to, to get an inkling of it. So this is what, what, what God has been doing in eternity past, been doing great things, and he is bringing them forth in this particular hour. So let's look at the new creation because I wanted to talk about the new creation, since we've talked about Christ and his supremacy. 
Christ is everything. Don't believe anybody who comes knocking on your door and saying that Jesus is the first of God's creation. That's a lie. That's not a mistake. It's a lie. Jesus is uncreated life, and he's brought uncreated life to all of us. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. This is big. I don't want you to look at that through human lenses. I don't want you to look at it like that. As he is, so are we. He says, and what he's saying is right now. Not later on, but right now. Yes, later is coming, but right now we are sons of God. Now are we sons of God. Now are we children of God. We've been born of God. Have We have God's, as it were, DNA. And this is why I said to you earlier, maybe yesterday, that I wanted to let you know that I'd grown up with Pentecostal roots, that my, my dad, my, grand, my dad, uh, my mom, my grandmother, and maybe even further back, uh, they, they were affected by the Azusa Street Revival. And so I grew up there, but this is what I want I, you to know. I grew up believing that Jesus had saved me because I asked him to, and that I was a participant in that salvation. It was almost like that, because the preachers who preached to us told us, he said, when I went to the revival, I got saved because I was tired of my sin, and I, and I, and I. I was sitting on the back road, some of them would say. And I walked to the front, and I gave my heart to Jesus, and I have been living uh, for God ever since, and I, and I, and I. Well, I don't find salvation and I experience or an initiation. It's not a, a me initiation. I, my salvation was initiated by Jesus. It was initiated because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in that son would, should not perish would not perish, cannot perish, but have everlasting life. And so this is an amazing reality that God wanted you before you knew you were you. And this is what I've come to say, that salvation is a divine initiative. It's a divine initiative. It's not a human initiative. And God, who has initiated the salvation, is bringing it to pass. It was God's idea that you and I would be conformed to the image of his son. It was not our idea. I mean, this salvation is so great. It's greater than anything we've ever dreamed of. And it's all because God loved you before you knew you were you. The Bible says for, I want to read from the, the ESV, the English Standard Version, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7. I normally read from the New King James. It says, for God, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts, to give the light. Listen, who, who gave you the light? God gave you the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show. To show. We have this treasure given by God in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So what, he, what he's saying here is that God has done this amazing, magnificent feat of Christ in us, the expectation of glory, so that everyone will know when they see these jars of clay that God is at work in these people. That's, that's what it's all about. It's all about him. It's all about him. And I want us to leave here knowing it's about him. You see, it's the grace of God 
that brought each of us to faith. It is not you that brought you to faith. It is not like you or I were smarter than our friends who never have come to faith. We weren't smarter, and we certainly wasn't, uh, we're, we're not lucky. We were not lucky. God had favor on us. It was his unmerited favor. It was his grace that came to us, and his grace brought us faith. And he brought us to faith, and when we came to faith, faith then brought us back into grace, the grace in which we stand. You see, salvation is a divine initiative. It's an amazing act of God himself. Somebody says, well, I don't believe that God would predestine anybody. Well, I predestined myself and my team when we bought tickets to come to Lusaka. It's a form of predestiny. Yes, we bought tickets. But the difference between us and God, that nothing can keep God from doing what God wants to do. You see, there there were activities and things that could have kept us from coming to Lusaka. But still, we predestined ourselves. We bought tickets, had Lusaka on them. Yeah. And so, so that's what this thing looks like. I want us to allow the Holy Spirit to take us in realms that few humans would go. Let the Holy Spirit take us into these divine realms. The Lord has much to say, as Jesus said to his disciples. I have much to say, but you can't bear them now. I pray, God, that he has brought us here in Zambia, in Lusaka. I pray, God, that he has brought us to the kingdom and he has brought us far enough along that we can bear whatever he says. That's what God wants. Paul tells us, In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17, I love these verses. I I read them all the time. He says, for the love of Christ compels us. God's love through Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. Wow. Jesus died for us, for you, for me. Then we all died. But God did in the death of Jesus, he took us into death, death to our old self, death to our old self. Now, when something is dead, it's gone. When you, when a person dies, a human being dies on this earth, they leave this sphere, this sphere. They leave this realm. They can no longer operate in this realm. And so the Bible brings us to an understanding that the love of Christ, he says, compels us. It's like the love of Christ gets hold of us and takes us into a new understanding. And this is what I say to all of us today, that the love of Christ has brought us here in Lusaka to a new understanding. Come on, you can do better than that. What we are doing when we applaud like that, we are saying, I've got that truth and I'm going with it. I'm going to walk with that truth. And so he goes on, Paul says, then we all died. Why? Because Christ died for us. We believe, therefore we die. It is amazing what God has done for the believer. But we only know a little bit, a tidbit, a little bit of what God has done. And look how much we've done with the little we know. What if we know the full body of truth? That's why the Bible says no weapon formed against you can prosper. It's because of what God has done. And no weapon that the enemy has designed against me thus far has prospered. 
and I offer to you the same. Every weapon he has formed against you has not prospered thus far because you are seated here right now in this place in Lusaka, but at the same time in heavenly places. How do I know? Because you are in Christ and Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. So you too are seated there. God sees you there. Wow. Amazing what God has done for the believer. Paul goes on to say, verse 15, and he died for all, Christ died for all, that those who live, that's you and me, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. And so Paul tells us we have this one objective. This, this should be our desire, and that is to live for God through Jesus Christ. He says he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Then Paul, uh, in verses 16 and 17, he takes us even further in this amazing revelation by saying, therefore, from now on, from which now on, from the time of our spiritual birth, from the time of our spiritual understanding, from the time of our spiritual maturity, from that time, we are now mature in Christ. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, their natural being. Why? Because we died. We died to all that we were. Even though we have known Christ, this is so profound. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh or his humanity, even though we have known Christ according to his humanity, listen what Paul says. Yet now we know him thus or in that way no longer. So what he is saying is that you and I are not as it were, worshiping the, the, the Jesus who walked the earth. Why? He died and he rose again. Jesus is the first fruits. Jesus himself is the first fruits of a new mankind. What does it say about, about all of us who follow him? You see, we are the rest of the crop. Jesus himself is the first fruits. Jesus is the first fruits of a new mankind. Jesus is the first fruits of a new humanity. Wow. We are a new humanity. What does that mean? That means that we are an unprecedented race of people. There has never been on the earth before Christians, a people in whom God dwelt. New humanity. New humanity. We are a new humanity. But we act like we're an old humanity with our words and with our actions. But I'm saying, let that be a thing of the past and let us go on to know him in deeper depths and higher heights. Let's go, as it were, 
not to the moon or to the stars. Let's go beyond them in our lifestyle. Let us go to the very throne of God where we are now represented, where we are now seated in him, in Christ, in, at the right hand of God the Father. It's not heresy. It's not heresy. It's truth. If we can't say we are in Christ, but not really, we're in Christ. And when you begin to see yourself as God sees you, you will have what God sees and knows about you. God knows things about you that you don't know yet. He knows things about me that I don't know yet. And I find myself walking in in depths of, of the Lord that I never imagined. They didn't even come to my mind. Neither have they come to your mind. What am I saying? I'm not putting anyone down. I'm just saying, let's go on to know the Lord. Let's go on as God's people to manifest who he is. You know, it doesn't mean a lot if you and I don't manifest Christ in our life. That, That we are not like the people of the earth. We are different than all the people groups of the earth. I'm not boasting saying I'm better. No, I'm saying I'm different. I'm saying that I am a person in whom God dwells. I'm saying the uncreated life of God now dwells in this human body. I'm saying he dwells in you. You are God's home. You're his dwelling place. You're God's dwelling place. But does God just want to Dwell, the Bible says he dwelled in temples not made with hands. What does that mean? He dwells in you. You're not made with hands. You're not some mechanical building, some brick and mortar building. But he he dwells in you. God wanted to live in you. He chose you to live in. That, That means that you are somebody. That means that you are special. So you are now the temple of God. So we can safely say that the house of God came to the house of God. He says, this is so beautiful. Even though we have known Christ, in that day, there were still some brothers and sisters who had known the Jesus who walked the earth. They were still alive. Paul even testified that some of those who saw Jesus after his resurrection were still alive. He says, but we don't know him that way any longer. And why does he say that? In verse 17, it's so powerful, so potent. Therefore, or as a result of what I just said, or because of what I just said, Paul is saying, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new Not just creature, brothers and sisters. He's a new creation. New creature does explain it somewhat, but it's not full enough. It's not full enough. A new creature, it means that perhaps you're a new kind of person. He says, no, you are not just a new creature. You are a new creation in the sense that a a new creation signifies a new type, a a fully, a race of people, greater than just being a new creature. You are a new creation, a new kind of person, 
a new people group, a people group who have the spirit of Christ in them, a people group. God, God is walking around every day, touching people through his body, the church. So he says, therefore, why? Because Christ died and rose again. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Why? Old things have passed away. What has passed away? We died to what we were. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It means when he says all things have become new, it's of a new kind, of a new order. It means we are unprecedented, as I said previously. We are unheard of. In the conversations of men, what you and I are has been, it, it is unheard of. Wow. God wants us to know that. It would be terrible if the world knew who we were and we did not. But I will tell you who know. Demons know. Demons know. Remember the, the story in the book of Acts when Paul, of course, and, and, and the early apostles were casting out demons and doing great exploits in the name of Jesus and some sons of Siva, uh, some uh, exorcists, they decided they would try to copy this new people group. And they went on and trying to cast a demon out of, out of, out of man. And this man says, look, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Why? Because Jesus and Paul had taken authority over them. That's how they knew. He said, but who are you? This is for the people of God. I want you to get it. I want you to really understand it. I want you to walk with me in it. Listen, you are new. You are unprecedented. Do we know that? Can we walk in the power of God like we are supposed to? The last day's church will walk in the power of God. And if we believe that this is the last day, let's walk in the power of God. When you, being a new creation, being made new is an empowering reality. It is, it will empower you. And you will stop looking at obstacles like they are so formidable, so powerful that you, you can't come up against them. No, no. The Bible says if you and I believe that nothing will be impossible, it's written in the book. We're a new creation. We're a new creation. The power of the old is nullified, done away with by what was made new. The new is from and through one man who overcame the old. That is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ overcame the old. Jesus is my hero. I don't have movie star heroes. No, I don't. I don't have men who, uh, I have men that I respect, the women I respect, but they're not my heroes. Jesus is my hero. Jesus is my hero. Jesus is my champion. Come on, Jesus is my champion. Is he yours? For what I could not do, Jesus did for me. I could not save myself. Jesus saved me. I could not give myself new life, but Jesus did. I didn't know who God was. Jesus revealed him. 
Jesus is my hero. Jesus is my all in all. And I want us to love him. But listen, he has made us like himself. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, the Bible says, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Did you get that? That you and I are what? Irrevocably, irreversibly, we are irreversibly joined to the Lord. Now, somebody might say, well, I have an issue with that. Well, you just have an issue with that. It's the truth. And no believer should have an issue with the truth. You and I are irreversibly joined to the Lord. The Bible says, and it is written, the Bible often says, it is written. That means it cannot be changed. Wow. Listen, I'm not angry. I'm just passionate. I am passionate. He is joined to the Lord, is one spirit with him. How big is that? How big is that? That you and I are presently in union with God. So why should we act as though we're not? Why should we beg and plead God as though this is not true? Wow. Listen to what Ephesians 5.30 says. For we are members of his body. This arm is a member of my body. I love this arm. I mean, it doesn't do a whole lot, but when it's hurting, you know, I recognize how much I need it. And I tend to it and care for it. Christ does that for you and me. We need to understand what he's doing. Listen, we're members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And then he says something that's very mystical. He says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Paul says, this is very similar to a man leaving his father and his mother, finding a wife, and being joined to her. What he's talking about is a marriage that's consummated, is consummated. He's talking about a relationship that is consummated, is consummated. You can never say, I didn't consummate. You know, when Adam knew Eve, that was it. When he knew Eve, that was a word of intimacy. And, and what God, what Paul is saying here is that you and I have been intimate with God. Don't, don't, we're not going to put it in some vulgar sense, but in a real spiritual sense, we have been intimate with God. This is why God cannot leave me. This is why God cannot leave you because he has known us. The Spirit of God has penetrated our hearts. He can never say, I never knew you. I said, God can never say, I never knew you. Now, to those who have not had a relationship with God, they will deny him. He will deny them. But when you and I are faithless, even when we are faithless and there's not a person in this building or outside this building who hasn't at one time or the other been faithless. You may say, oh, I've never been faithless. Well, you just didn't know you were faithless. But when we were faithless, he was faithful. You know why? He could not deny himself. He could not, he cannot deny himself. He cannot lie. He cannot say, I never knew you. 
Because he's known me. He's known you. Paul says, and this man shall be joined, joined. First Corinthians 6, 17 said, but he who is joined, the man is joined to the woman. Can't just treat your wife any kind of way. That's not my, my message, but I have to say it. Because you're joined to her. You're joined. When there's a part of my body that's not working right, I don't amputate it. I, I nur- nourish it. I, I nurture it. I nurture it. I take care of it. I, I want it to be healed. Why? Because it's joined. It's a part of my body. And it says your wife is a part of you. And he says, but he says, this is a great, he says, and these two shall be one flesh. And what he wants you to know that there is a one relate, a one flesh relationship with Jesus. There is a one flesh relationship. And what does God say? He says through the prophet, he says, I hate divorce. Why? Because God says, I'm, I'm not going to ever divorce you. I know that there's a doctrine. I grew up with it. And I, I was even a young man, a young pastor. I was afraid. I said, God, you know, you know, I know Don Lavelle at some juncture. He's going to do something crazy and he's going to go to hell because I was taught that all of my life. Boy, you can't cut your hair. You know, back in the day, when we had the Afro all in America. Maybe some of you remember the big Afros we had wore all over and perhaps all over here. Well, now there's no more Afro. But they would tell you, you'd go to hell. The old preachers would say, you're going to go to hell for that Afro boy. I wasn't going to hell for wearing my hair in an Afro. What, am I going to go to hell now because I can't grow hair? It's not about hair. It's about relationship. It's not about hair. It's about relationship. And you and I have been joined to the Lord. And since he hates divorce, he's not going to divorce you. But when you and I are faithless, he remains faithful. Paul says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So when he's talking about being joined, he says, I'm speaking about Christ and the church because you have a one flesh relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. Can you say amen? Wow. Paul, Paul, in talking to the Corinthians, uh, in First Corinthians, First Corinthians two one, he says that. Uh, let, let me read it. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So Paul's saying, I, I didn't profess to know anything except two things, who Jesus is as a person and, and his work. I was with you, Paul says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. But I came in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. This is what I've, I have learned. And that is when God speaks, he doesn't so much speak to you. He speaks into you. When God speaks, he speaks into you. 
And what he speaks into you, you become. What he speaks into you, you become. He, he called me from my mother's womb. My mom talked to me about those things. Called me from my mother's womb. There was a time in my life I tried to outrun God. Perhaps you've never done anything like that. I tried to outrun him. And every, in every direction, I ran into him. That's God. And that's the God who loves you. That's the, the God who gave his, his son for you and me. And now let's, let's, with the son, let's, by the son, walk this great salvation out. Let's walk this great salvation out. Let's stop being satisfied with what we have understood thus far. Let's reach even to the heavens. Let's reach even to the heavens. I have prayed recently, Lord, give me daily interaction with heaven. I want daily interaction with heaven. Paul labored more than all the disciples. The Holy Spirit allowed him to put it in writing. He labored more abundantly. He suffered more than all of them. How is it that this mean little guy, persecuting the saints, holding the clothes for those who were murdering our brother Stephen, our wonderful brother Stephen, he was wonderful. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. But God saved the man who held the clothes of the murderer. That's God's heart. That's the heart of God. And he's not throwing you away. You've just not understood his plan. And I've just not understood his plan. God is great. He's, he's greater than we've ever known. He's greater than we've ever dreamed. There's much I have to say to you. And I'm going to wrap it up in a very short order. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 20, he says to Timothy, Paul says, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of your Savior died on a cruel cross naked for your sins. Don't be ashamed. Nor of me, his prisoner. Don't be ashamed that your spiritual father is often in jail and beaten and maltreated. Don't be ashamed of it. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. He said, but share with me. Be a participant as Pastor Stan talked about earlier, be a participant with me for the gospel according to the power of God. And that word according to the power of God means that our life and our life experiences come from the power of God. It says, God who has saved us. Now, now what, now listen to what he says. He has saved us. Past tense. It's finished. He has saved us. Now listen. And called us. Just like he called Israel out of Egypt. He called us. When God called Israel out of Egypt, they came out of Egypt. But it was hard getting Egypt out of them. And God has called us out of sin. But it's sometimes hard to get all the doubt out of us. 
but we're going to let it go. We're going to walk in power and authority and the love of God like never before. He says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Listen carefully. He called us according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. These promises were given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You weren't even here and God had given you a promise. That's what he says. I didn't, I didn't make this up. I didn't have a hand in writing it. I'm reading it. That's what God has done for me. That's what God has done for you. And has now been revealed. So what is being revealed to you right now was given to you in Christ before time began. Before there was a world. Before there was a universe. God knew you. I know this is hard for some of us to get, but it's true. And that's why we, how and why we should walk with confidence, knowing that if God is for us, who can be against us? I don't walk with arrogance or cockiness, but this is what I know. Since God is for me, my adversaries are in trouble. So let's pray for him. Listen to what he says. But it's now been revealed. All of God's plans have now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. If Jesus had not come, God's plans for you would not have been uncovered, but they have been revealed. That's what he said. By the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, done away with it, and brought life and immortality to light, to light through the gospel. So, wow. So, I want you to remember Christ, who he is and what he's done. I'm going to end with this particular portion of scripture, and I'm going to have to come back to preach the rest, and I hope you'll allow me to come back. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I, I, I want you to know, honestly, I barely scratched the surface because there are scriptures, and I want you to read the gospel of John. Now just read it again. I know you probably read it a hundred times, but read it again. And then read First uh, John and, and uh, just read all of First John again, when John says that, that anyone who is born of God overcomes the world. Where if you are born of God, you're a victor. You're a conqueror, more than a conqueror. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You know, that's where y'all, and he says, well, there's so much he says, I'm not going to leave you there. Let's go back to Ephesians 2.10. This is what, what Paul says to the Ephesians. For we are his workmanship, God's the Father's workmanship. And so uh, it's like um, we are, the, the Greek word is poema, poema. It's like, uh, uh, it's like a, a poem or it's like uh, a, an artist's rendition. Uh, my wife loves, she loves um, museums and art, and she can tell you who, who painted what. Now, I can tell you it's a painting, but I don't know who painted it. 
You know, it's a beautiful painting. She said, oh, that's Picasso. Oh, that's a Rembrandt. Oh, that's Van Gogh. You know, so when demons look at you, they go, oh, that's Yahweh. That's Yeshua. Yeshua did that work. That's how demons know. I will not let a demon know more about me than I know about me. I'm a child of God. And it's incontrovertible. It could never be changed. You can't unsun me. I've got a son and a daughter. And I can't unsun him. It doesn't matter how he acts. He's still my son. She's my daughter. Doesn't matter. And that's how God looks at you. He said, we are his workmanship. Listen, created in Christ Jesus. Created, where's your Genesis? See, you now have a new Genesis. So stop going back to the book of Genesis talking about, in the beginning, God, you know. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Yeah, that was true. The earth was void and without form. God discovered the deep. Yeah, but go to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, there was nothing made that was made. That's where you should go. He says, we are his workmanship. So John chapter 1 is, is the place of your Genesis. It's your Genesis. Jesus is your Genesis. Created in Christ Jesus. You are created in Christ Jesus. Not in that Garden of Eden. That's the old order. You and I died to that. When Jesus rose, we rose to something new, something unprecedented. It says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared a path of good works for believers, which he performs in and through them as they walk by faith. I've discovered this more deeply than ever before that God has a path for me to walk. And when I walk in obedience, I see it every day. This does not mean that you and I are doing a work for God, but it is God who performs the works in and through us as we obey. We now have our new Genesis, which is in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is our new Genesis. He's our new Genesis. There's a fate for those who only have the first Genesis. But you are now the only people group on the, on the planet or even in the universe who've had two births. That's different. I don't know if that, what that does for you, but it gets my, 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 my Bible reading uh, glands working. You and I have two births. The second birth is the birth from above. This is amazing. Paul says that the Jerusalem above is our mother. So that, that's like saying you may have a birth certificate wherever you're from here in, in Zambia or, or, or one of the other nations around it. But you have, also have a birth certificate in heaven because that's your new Genesis. Listen to what he says. So Christ is our new Genesis. So that means that you and I have been created in the greatest overcomer the universe has ever seen. We're created in the greatest victor the universe has ever seen. We are created by the word of God in the word of God because Jesus is the Logos of God. 
So we are created also in the truth. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We're created in the life itself. And the Bible says, and this is the testimony in 1 John 5, 11, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, not partial, but fully eternal life. And this life is in his son. Jesus says in John 10, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You are of God, little children and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to preach here in Lusaka. I want to thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you've done. I want to thank you that you have allowed me to preach to men and women of God who are great men and women of God. I want, I ask you, if you'll just bless their lives like never before, I ask you, Lord, that they would walk in supernatural power, supernatural healing. I pray the peace of God upon upon their families. I pray they would begin to see themselves like they have never seen themselves. I pray that they would, you would give them visions and dreams. And as I've prayed for myself, I pray for them that they would have daily interactions with heaven. I pray that they would really have daily interactions with heaven. I pray that you would reveal to them things to come. I pray in the name of the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the goodness of God would be their portion this day and forever. I pray that they would never again see themselves as mere men, mere men, mere men or mere women, but they would see themselves as sons of God. I pray that they would see themselves as sons of God, powerful sons of God, not, not, I didn't say daughters. I said sons because the women are inheriting just like the men. We're inheriting. I thank you that this is the day you have made. This is the day of the Lord that we have sought and we have wanted. We have cried out for and you have answered us. You have brought us to the kingdom for a time such as this and you will perform everything that you have ordained, preordained before the foundation of the world. Lord God, you, you gave promises in Christ for each of us before time began. And I thank you for manifesting it right here in Lusaka and in every place from which your your children have come. I thank you that we shall go to the north and to the south, to the east and the west, and we shall bring the knowledge of the glory of God every place we go. We will never be a contradiction. We will never be a contradiction of who you are and what you have done. I thank you. I thank you for what you have done. And I declare over this house and over every person who hears that what God has done cannot be undone. For it is sealed in the blood of your son. I thank you. I thank you for this wonderful day. In the name of Jesus, forever. Amen.